0: The work of the cross, just those tender moments that we, where we sense His presence and His touch upon our lives. Let's just be grateful. I believe it's something we should be doing all year long. But you know, this just this morning, um, just thank Him for His great love that He loved us. That God loved us in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah! That we might we might have friendship and relationship. He might be a heavenly Father. That 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 we might be. God's children, sons and daughters of the living God. He loved us in Christ Jesus for that reason. You know the scriptures say that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know we have to behold the love of God and uh, and recognize it wasn't just general it was personal. You know He expressed His love toward us all and we all have that right to experience a personal love from God and, and and know it and understand it and get to the point where we can even share it to others be that that channel of his love and blessing each one of us amen amen this morning you know we just got to sometimes just make that little adjustment it's just a little adjustment but when we do when we do we become those those uh, those people that are equipped as ministers of reconciliation. You know, going out and reaching those that don't yet know the Lord and know His love. You know, I tell you, um, uh, just an atmosphere of love is so important to be able to sort of step into and uh, and know and experience. We've got to have it for ourselves before we're ever going to step out and and uh, uh, let others experience it as well. Loving others so often means being non-judgmental. Amen. You know, suspending judgment. Sometimes you find yourself having to do it just simply because you know that that's the love way. Sometimes you uh, uh, then get to be, as you do, as you just suspend judgment and just know that if He forgave you, He's going to forgive others as well. You know, and sometimes that's a hard journey because someone might have hurt us, someone might have done something against us. But if we're going to be those channels of love and blessing, We're going to have to get up and get over it and say, well, if he loved me, he loves them as well. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. (laughs) We had such a fantastic time in prayer morning this morning, you know. And uh, I just, again, just uh, appreciate that God wants to bless his people with his presence. And uh, that's an ongoing theme this year that we're going to continue to. Have And I tell you, one thing will be a hindrance to that is our love walk. So if our love walk's not right, it's going to be a hindrance to us experiencing His presence. He doesn't just gloss over that. You know, He wants us to be expressions uh, of the example that He gave us. God so loved the world. Amen. But, you know, God demonstrates His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. He gave himself for us, a sacrifice. Amen. Praise the Lord. Why don't we uh, just find our seats and and uh, thank you, team. Why don't we give them a warm uh, 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 appreciation. Came in on Thursday night. We thought we'd put the band back together again. So uh, there we were, Thursday night, practicing and getting back into it. Praise the Lord. Well, um... I'm excited about this message that we're in and it sort of just started you know just a little bit and it was like I had to step out on the little bit that the Lord had given me and without really sort of seeing where he was going but now I get it you know now I get it how many of you of know that sometimes the Lord wants us to walk by faith in fact how many of you know the Lord always wants us to walk by faith exactly as never sometimes as always and and sometimes you just step out on what you've got you know and uh, just trusting the Lord and it's true of um it's true of the, the messages that we, we, we receive the Lord uh, from the Lord to, to, to share on, on uh, Sundays. And I know those that um, share from the pulpit uh, have that same experience. But we're into a message on uh, uh, walking in God's pathways. And uh, we're seeing, <clears throat> have been seeing, and we'll recap a little bit. We get to stay on his pathways. And uh, so important. Uh, by choosing first of all his doorways you know we talked a little bit about door a and door b and uh, the church that's all of us okay and you'll find the church outside of these four walls as well the church the body of christ those that are saved those that have come to that saving knowledge of jesus christ the church are destined by god to be on his pathway destined that's his destiny for each and every single one of us But, you know, understand it is through lack of knowledge that God's people perish. It's through a lack of knowledge, the Bible says, that my people perish. God said that. And, uh, you know, falling short of what the Lord intended, falling short of what he has promised. And we understand that it's up to us then to gain the knowledge. So very much church uh, uh, can uh, be experienced uh, as a, a learning curve. How many of you realise that, you know, you sort of think about how church runs and there's a teaching and there's something to learn and there's something to to be teachable about. And that's because, um, you know, God doesn't want us to perish. Psalm um, Psalm 65 and verse 11, and we've looked at this a couple of weeks, it says uh, in verse 11, it says, You crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. I don't know about you, but I'm all in. You know, those abundant pathways and uh, where God's blessing is not just uh, upon you, but overflowing you, you know, getting on your life. And let's be clear to get onto God's pathways, you have to choose it. There's actually a choice involved. You know, you, there's a definite, I'm doing this, you know. Uh, uh, you know, there could be even some here today who have said, you know what, I know I was making wrong choices, but this year I've decided to make right choices. You know, I'm not going to look for a show of hands. But, you know, there's that, 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 that decision uh, to make right choices, to, to put God's word first, to, to make sure that God's word is, is in, you know, in our lives in an abundance. And, and of course, uh, if you don't choose the blessings, and this is what I found out, even early in my Christian life, if you don't choose the blessings, by default, you walk in the cursings. And it's not God's intentions. It's just as that—that's where you find yourself dropping over into—is in the, to the cursings, the things that you know God never designed for your life, uh, as an, as a believer. And understand, you know, we have moments in life where the, where the choice to keep choosing door A is a part of God's pathway. Almost rhymes, doesn't it? You Should write a song somewhere along that way, you know. If just talking to the music team there, just quietly, it could, you know, the, the, the need to turn, to choose door A is a part of God's pathway. And um, choosing door A is done in the critical key moments when we choose God's will above our own will. When we choose to serve him rather than serve ourselves. How many of you know that God's pathway for our lives is not about serving us? It's about serving others. You see, that shouldn't be a revelation. Should it? shouldn't be a revelation to anyone at all. It's about doing God's will, not our own will. You know, Abraham uh, was told to leave his land and family and go to a place that the Lord would show him. So he had to pack his camels even before he knew where he was going. I don't know anyone that wouldn't struggle with that. As a, well, if I have to do God's will... uh, I've got to start packing. I'm not sure where I'm going, but I know I need to start packing them camels. You know, (laughs) can you imagine how that would have felt? A little bit unnerving, a little bit unsettling. But as I say, choosing door A is done in those critical key moments where we say, well, I'm going that way. I don't know where that necessarily leads, but I'm going to do it by faith. When we choose to serve him rather than serving ourselves, that's the sacrifice part. That's the dying to ourselves, you know. Uh, that's the part where we die to ourselves. So very important. And let's face it, we're called to be what? Living sacrifices. Living sacrifices. And the Lord says, I stand at the door and knock. You know, we live in an age where door B, and let's just talk about door B for a minute because we need to identify it. Door B is available constantly. Our social media feeds, Facebook, Instagram. Be, beware because Door B is made by the world to look good. I have an attraction about it. Something that might have a, a bit of appeal. But I tell you, Door B needs to lose its appeal in our lives. That choice that we make that we know is not God's choice for us to make. And someone I know, the cry of their heart is, how can I tell which is door A and which is door B? How can I tell the difference in my life? <laughs> I'm going to say this because it made me giggle a little bit. Door A is the door that's knocking. Door A is the door that's knocking. And I'll show you what I mean. Revelations chapter 3 and verse 20 says, Behold, this is Jesus talking, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and, he with him and he with me. And that is the fellowship. You know, you choose door A and the first thing you experience is his fellowship. He's with you. You sense his presence. And uh, we, we um, need to reckon that, recognize that. Door A has two unmistakable marks on it. God's voice and God's presence. Just remember that. Door A is real simple. It has his voice and his presence. We saw last week how Moses set the standard for his leadership when, we made, you know, when he made his submission to the Lord clear. And, uh, and it had to be a submission, and it was a submission, and he made it very clear to the Lord in fellowship with him. Exodus chapter 33 and verse 15 to 16, he says, if your presence does not go with us, Moses replied, do not lead us up from here. In other words, if your presence isn't with us, we ain't going. And it's so good to sort of uh, live your Christian life out with that with that test that you put out there. Is this is this what God's doing? Is this real? Is he in this? Is he on this? And then we start Pushing past what's comfortable to us, what might have a certain appeal to us. We start pushing past and pulling those things over to the side a little bit and saying, is God's presence on this? Is God's voice on this? Is he confirming this to me as something I should be doing? And if not, I'm just going to hold off on going through that doorway. Amen. You know, this year, and I just encourage you, this year will be a a year uh, I believe that marks this church as a church that, that is all about his presence. That's what the Lord's really dealt with my heart about during the holidays. And and I have funny experiences sometimes. It's like when I'm doing something practical, you know, like fixing something on the car or or, you know, like, it's not necessarily when I'm on my knees and crying and, you know, snotting my nose, you know, where, where the Lord will speak to me really clearly. You know? <laughs> it's not those moments. It's usually when I'm just tinkering with the car or doing something practical or, you know, working on cleaning the cupboard. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't know why he does that, it, but it's like he speaks so very clearly into my heart. I hear his voice. I hear what he's saying. And I had those moments down in, down in Perth and thought, I must get more busy cleaning things and tinkering with the car and I must get more busy doing those things because, you know, the, the Lord's voice is on it. Can you imagine what it would have been like for, um, to have been one of those nomadic tribes in the desert, in the wilderness, and to see the people of Israel come, come by, you know? You know, you can just imagine, you know, one of those guys saying, can you see that? Honey, those guys have got a cloud by day, you know. And, you know, at night there's this great big light, you know, firing flame. They got a they got a lamp, you know, they got a fire by night as well to go by. Keep keep them cool in the in the coolness of the, you know. God so blessed them with what they needed to to go where he had them going. You know, and he pushed aside all the other things that others would say were crazy and provided it. A cloud by day and a fire by night. Who gets that? God's people get that. And I pray that his presence upon us will be the thing that distinguishes us. You know, preserving it will become a bigger priority for for us and for many, recognising that that's what the leadership's about. Oh, they're preserving the presence. Some of the things we do, in fact, most of the things we do, are about preserving the presence of God. Promoting it, praising God for it, creating the atmosphere, where he can come in and minister among us. Because we learned a long time ago that without him we can do nothing. So we need his presence. We need him to be among us and uh, to set people free, you know, to, to set the captives free. You need his presence because, you know, we, we've got some good sermons and things like that, but I tell you, we need his presence because he's, he's the one that will come in and de- destroy, um, you know, with the yoke. You know, destroy that yoke. And, uh, and, of course, remove that burden. He's the one that comes with that. Burden removing, yoke destroying, anointing. And we need that. In his presence, you're going to hear his word and know his voice and receive his guidance. The Bible says that in his presence, there's fullness of joy. There's a laugh that rises up from your spirit. You know, don't be afraid of that. Don't think that's wacky. Sometimes it gets overdone in some places I know. But don't be afraid of that joy that rises in your heart because it's from the presence of the Lord. And let me speak to you today in the time that we've got remaining about divine guidance. It's not a segue as such. I believe it's just as relevant to door A and the godly pathways that we're called to than any other part of this message. Divine guidance. Just think about that for a moment. Firstly, understand that you have to press into God to receive it. Or that you can just be walking with a peace in your heart with the Lord and he'll show you. You can, you know, you can be pressing in to receive it, doing the things that you know that you should do. Praying, praising, worshipping, putting on a worship CD, you know, putting on a worship DVD. Uh, you can be doing all those, those kind of things. But I under, understand this. You, you hear his voice when you, when you really need to hear his voice. You hear his voice best from your knees, you know. Hear his voice best from your knees. And you hear it every time when you pray in faith for the Lord's direction and guidance and wait for the answer. You'll hear it every time when you wait for the answer because he's faithful. You know, that knock on the door is his voice gently guiding us, saying, take this door. This is the way. Walk in it, Isaiah 30 says. And I just love the account um, of Samuel. Samuel. And how he receives the very thing that will stop everyone from becoming religious and pious in the way that they conduct themselves in Christianity. You know, we, he, here's the truth that we need to get a hold of. We don't serve, from, uh, 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 serve um, for position, we serve for relationship. I'll say that again. We don't serve for position, we serve from relationship. We don't try and climb the ladder of success in ministry and make sure you don't because you will only ever find it leaning against the wrong wall. When we serve from relationship, we'll find his yoke easy and his burden light. We won't look overburdened. Ever seen ministry that looks overburdened and think, I don't want any of that? Anyone know what I'm talking about? Looked at ministry and thought, boy, staying away from that, that looks hard. But when we serve the Lord from our heart, when we serve the Lord out of relationship with him, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, and we rejoice. We can serve from a place of easiness, and that's where we all should uh, aim for. 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1. And it says, And the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. Now, in those days the word of the Lord was rare and visions were scarce. And at that time Eli, whose eyesight had grown so dim that he could not see, was lying in his room before the lamp of God had gone out, part of the what was going on in the temple there. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was located. Here's Samuel. Okay? And we know the story, or some of us know the story. It's in his DNA to be in God's presence. And uh, it's his natural habitat. He's a child of promise. And Hannah, his mum, has dedicated him to God's service and now he's totally given uh, to God's will and purposes and he now even sleeps in God's presence. That's where he sleeps in the temple. And you know, we who come to God through Jesus Christ are no different and like Samuel we just need to make sure that we're choosing Doré constantly making sure that's the right pathway that we're going through and stay on his pathways and I like what it says there in verse 4 it says and the Lord called to Samuel and he said and answered here am I and he ran to him oh, sorry here am I And he ran to Eli and said, here am I, for you have called me. I did not call, Eli replied. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. And once again, the Lord called Samuel. Sometimes, and this is worth just putting a bit of a plug out for, uh, being a person that starts to look and see and gain information and understanding of what it is to hear God's voice. Sometimes his voice takes practice to discern. You've actually got to spend time Uh, practicing and understanding and even reading the word um, around that subject. When the Lord comes knocking, when the great shepherd of the sheep uh, comes calling, we need to answer, you know, yes, Lord. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And they go in and they find pasture. That's door A into the pathway for us. And he has it for us. Look what it says. And so Samuel got up and went to Eli and said to him, Here I am, for you have called me, my son. He says, I did not call you, Eli replied. Go back and lie down. Just go back to this next one. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord because the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. There was this, you know, this period where he's still learning to hear the voice of the Lord. Once again, for the third time, the Lord called to Samuel and he got up and went to Eli and said, Here am I, you have, and you have called me. And then Eli realized that it was the Lord who was calling the boy. Go and lie down, he said to Samuel. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. You know, sometimes we need uh, help and guidance to discern God's voice. And so often people will come and say, look, I've got this decision to make. I'm not sure whether I should take this, this uh, uh, path or I'm not clear about that. But I tell you, it's a matter for prayer. You know, as pastors, we're not here to make those decisions for people, but we'll, we'll help and we'll pray and perhaps get a word or something from the Lord, you know, a, a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge or something that will help uh, that process. But we're not here to help and, and to make decisions for people. You know, we all have our own will, and, uh, and, and of course, that's a will that we should submit to the Lord. Say, Lord, I don't want my will done, I want your will done. And uh, it's so, so critical that we get to that place of submission and obedience to the Lord. And you know, in this day and age, we know that the Holy Spirit still speaks, and that divine guidance is for today. Amen. You can find churches, sadly, even in this town, where divine guidance that comes from hearing God's voice is not what they believe. It's not a part of uh, the understanding. Some places you have to go through the man. You have, to, you have to go through the guy at the front to get some type of sense of guidance. And I'm saying, no, we have direct a direct link to our Heavenly Father, each and every one of us. But what we have to do is we have to get to that place where we're sensitive to his voice, We know when he's speaking to us. And uh, I tell you, it's, it's an exciting lifestyle to live. It's the life of faith. How does faith come? By hearing. And hearing by the word of God. And that's true whether it's the rhema, that's the spoken word of God, or the logos, the written word of God. It's true. Faith comes in that way. And we're called to live by faith. So we better get on with it and start hearing God's word through the word. And, of course, through his, by his spirit. And then the Lord came. First Samuel chapter 1, and verse 10 to 11. And then the Lord came and stood there calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak, for your servant is listening. Are we listening? We should be, you know. Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do something in Israel, at which the ears of all who hear it will tingle. Wow. I don't know about you, but that's goosebumps that hit your head, even your ears, you know. That's goosebumps, that tingling, you know, when you, when you feel that God's doing something and it makes you tingle. People go, oh, look at the goosebumps, you know. <laughs> How many of you know what I'm talking about? Where's John? He's always saying, look at my goosebumps. <laughs> Praise the Lord. What a great introduction to the leading of the Spirit of God for Samuel. You know, uh, in Samuel's life, he's now equipped to say what God says as a prophet. You know, and we're all called to that, to say what God says. He's now equipped to make people's ears tingle, you know, those goosebumps. You know, it's so important that when people come with itchy ears people that come wanting to hear something that suits their world or their circumstance, that we remain keen to make their ears tingle with the word of the Lord, you know, with a witness of something that comes from the word, something that the Lord's shown us. You know, uh, not just uh, signs, wonders and miracles, but also, as the Bible says, gifts of the Holy Spirit, where he leads us into what to say, what to share with someone. You need to do this. I believe the Lord's saying, You need to do this or you need to do that. We should be pressing in. Uh, those are the fruits of when we start to really experience God's presence in, in manifestation. Because what they do is they bring transformation in that person's life. It brings transformation to people who are so desperate in need of being set free from their ways and circumstances. So we need to be those that remain keen to hear and, uh, and be those ones that make others' ears tingle with the truth of God's word, not something that strokes their flesh or makes them feel better about their compromise. Yeah. Amen? Just talking real straight here now. Door A is going to reveal itself when we decide ourselves to go God's way, when we choose God's way and not our way or the evil way. And Proverbs chapter 4 in verse 18 to 19, the path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining brighter and brighter until midday. But the way of the wicked is like the darkest gloom. They do not know what makes them stumble. Door B is most often that door of compromise, where we give up on what we know to be the right path because door B is easy. I'll just take that one. You know, and there are people in God's kingdom who have chosen door B and they will conduct themselves in such a way that would make the undiscerning think that they're on God's pathway. I'm not looking for any hands up at the moment, but you know what I'm talking about. You know, you can jazz door B up and make it look like door A. And, and let's just say this, is that door B is often marked by self deception Only because door A seems to be a little less comfortable if we choose it. I think I'm ringing someone's doorbell this morning, even talking about these things. Amen. But it's never too late to get back on track. Never too late to say, no, I'm choosing door A and I'm just going to commit to that. Door B is a pathway that will get you going the wrong way. It's full of compromise and excuses. And the litmus test for having taken door B is that we find ourselves no longer hearing God's word. We find weak reasons to not be at church. And we stop praying and our time on the word of God diminishes. That's no one here this morning because you're all here. Hallelujah. And it takes consecration and the whole of life submission to do his will and not our will. You know, um, we had moments uh, in our life, our married life, um, certainly in our early married life, where we knew that the Lord had ministry destiny for us. It was a part of our first, you know, we're going to start dating conversation, as we both knew that we are called to ministry. And um, we knew that the Lord had ministry destiny for us, and uh, Rose and I were happy with that, and... And just recognise it and we acknowledge it with one another. And of course, that was acknowledging that when probably others didn't even see that we were called to ministry. But we knew because the Lord had dealt with us about it. And so we, we went to Bible college. Rosemary was the first one to go uh, three months after we were married. She says, I'm going to Bible college. I said, what? And she goes, I'm going to Bible college. And she said, because I was thinking I should go to Bible college. You know, I'm the man. <laughs> it, it, look, it was the 80s, all right? Okay, just go easy on me. It was the 80s. And I thought I should go first and lead the way, you know, and uh, Rose could follow, follow along. But she said, no, no, God told me to go to Bible College. <laughs> and I'm going, did he? And she goes, well, if he told me, he'll tell you too. So, you know, I had to be, I had to be happy with that, and I was. And, um, and just Rosemary, so she went off and did first year, and while she was at first year... Um, I was working and and you know doing all the things that you do and um, and of course you know we're in the same church but Rose was at Bible College and uh, and and of course getting equipped and and of course October 1988 the Lord spoke to me and uh, and said go to Bible College there'll be an anointing for you and that was the, that's what he said to me I was in I remember where I was in the church when he said it spoke it into my heart. Um, we were, we were. Um, I had a guest ministry that weekend. It was a, a pastor called Pastor Henry Hinn, okay? And there is no price for guessing who his brother is, okay? Pastor Henry Hinn. And, uh, and I was standing there and the Lord just said, go to Bible College, there'll be an anointing for you. So we, you know, I was glad to tell Rosemary, I'm coming to Bible College and he told me too. So, um, so it was good we were both in Bible College that next year. She was in second year, I was in first year. And uh, she was with the big kids, so I was with the little kids. And, uh, but we went through Bible college, and, and I ended up going and doing three years, so she finished, and then I continued. But it was in that third year, in that final year, and in actual fact, it was the third term of the third year, and we still didn't know, still didn't know where we were going. We still had no We'd had some glimpses. The Lord had shown us some things, you know, like vision, and we knew that there was church ministry ahead somewhere. We couldn't quite work that out. But there I was in the middle of the third term break holidays, and we were, at that time, we, had, we were caretakers of an accommodation centre, a Christian accommodation centre. And we sort of looked after it and cleaned after after groups came through on weekends mostly and just kept an eye on the place during the week. And we had free accommodation, so it was great for these poor Bible college students um, as, as uh, we were able to stay in there on, on, um, on the premises. And, and it was great. And the place was called Kumbaya, believe it or not. Kumbaya Christian Accommodation Centre. And uh, so come by here. And uh, it was a great little spot, and it's no longer there. It's been, been built out, but it was a beautiful location there in Marmion. But there I was in the third term of the third year of Bible College, and we had no idea where we were going. And I was sort of thinking, well, we've got one term to go. We better hear from the Lord sometime soon. And, of course, in that period, I'm doing things. I'm, I'm praying and, and doing things while I'm doing those things. And, of course, we get a phone call. And I'm talking to the Lord. You know, I'm talking to the Lord about that. You know, you know, Lord, what do we do? And because there's no immediate answer, I said, Lord, we're just committed to doing your will. We're just not going to do anything other than your will. We're not going to choose convenience. We're not going to choose comfort. We're not going to choose those things that are, that that appeal to us. We're going to do your will. The year before, I turned down a job at the church where the Bible college was, and they got, they offered a job and said, Peter, we were wondering if you could come and work at the church. And I said, because I prayed about it, I said no. And people who knew that I'd been offered the job said, you're crazy, they're offering you a job at the church. Come on, that's ministry and that's what you're called to. But we knew that wasn't God's design. That wasn't where God wanted us going. So we refused it and said, no, I failed to do the third year. And he was in his third term. And, and we get a phone call and... The phone call comes from a minister who is in, in Australia and he's travelling around drumming up support for his ministry up in Thailand. And he calls, he'd been in a church over in Queensland, had been there for, for a week looking at this church and had been up to a country town called Stanthorpe and looked at it and thought, there could be a church here. And he got back to Brisbane, got on the phone and rang me at Kumbaya and said, Peter, there's a church, uh, not a church, but there's a group here that want to be a church and I really believe it's, it's, it's you, you and Rosemary. And he said, well, Rosemary speaks Italian and this is, there's a lot of Italians in the area, so you, know, you just be plum for this job. He says, why don't you come over here and do a prac? And I asked him, because about, I don't know, six months earlier, maybe earlier in the year, I was sitting in the in the uh, the pews of the church and there was a, a ministry that had joined the movement and he was the pastor of uh, Raymer Family Church, Brisbane. And 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 he was being introduced by the pastor, who's now a member of the movement and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it was all an excitement. Actually, I think it was a year before. And I... And as I was sitting there watching that, the Lord spoke so very clearly into my heart and said, Peter, one day you're going to be associated with him. And I just sat there and listened to that voice and I said, yeah, I believe it. Yeah, great. Didn't do anything with it. I didn't run up and excitedly shake his hand after the service or anything. I let it go. I didn't ring him, didn't communicate with him. I didn't do anything. Because sometimes when the, when the Lord's showing you things about the future, you don't have to do anything. Amen? It doesn't require you to do anything, but just stay on the pathway. So there I am. I believe it was a year later. A year later. And um, there we are in our last year of Bible college. And, and I said to this minister that had rung me, I said, who are you with in Brisbane? And he says, I'm at the Church of the pastor." of Ramer Family Church, Brisbane. And I said, oh. And of course, it was just the, the penny dropped, you know. But the Lord does things like that. So I went over there in 1991 19, uh, 19, uh, and actually did a practical in my third year. Uh, and while I was there as a part of that practical, the small little Bible study group that was there said, well, we'd really like to formally invite you to come and start a church here. And, uh, and so our pioneering days started in country Queensland. And that was a part of our, our you know, so big day or big year that year was uh, December 1991. Graduated from Bible College, was ordained and then affiliated with the church that we were a part of at the time and sent to go to country Queensland to start this church up. And they were exciting days. And it was really funny because when I wanted to do the prac, Rosemary was driving around the town of Bridgetown, I think, with an elderly couple from Kimbaya who wanted to go down and see the Southwest. And Rosemary went with them. And she's praying, Lord, I don't know what your will is for the rest of our lives, but I'm s- submitted to it. Come up and say what you said, Rosemary. Come on up. Take your mask off, for goodness sakes. I told you you've got an exemption. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so there I am in Bridgetown with this elderly couple as Peter is spying out the land in Stanthorpe and I just said, Lord, your will be done and as long as it's in the five kilometres radius of Perth, because I didn't really want to leave Perth, I didn't want to leave my family, but I knew that, you know, God would change my heart. And so he's getting all these confirmations and sending me photos of the church. No, there wasn't a church, no, of, of the, the village of Stanthorpe. I'll just also interject the other little bit. As I'm driving through Bridgetown with this elderly couple, as we drove in, I said, oh, I love this town. I'd love to own a place here one day. How many years later? Yeah, 15 years later, we bought a little cottage in Bridgetown. We've still got it. So it was just an incident that occurred. But in the meantime, yeah, Peter was just um, over there and I was praying. He was praying and he said, Honey, I think this is right for us. And um, I just trusted that. And so, yeah, when we finished Bible college, we used to have this... um, Does anybody know what a Citroen D Special is? A Citroen, it's a car that looks like a cockroach, a French old car. We finished the year, finished at Kumbaya, packed up the Citroen, drove across the Nullarbor as a new couple, you know, freshly enthusiastic as, I think... How old was I? 25, 26? Yeah. Or maybe, yeah. And we drove across and a big adventure and we get to this little country town and there's about how many people in that lounge room? Ten. Ten, 10 12 people in this lounge room. They'd been meeting there for years that wanted a pastor. And so we arrive fresh, green as and keen as, you know. <laughs> And we had to pry them out of their lounge room. First thing we did was we hired a building. So that's how it grew. We were there how many years? Nine years? Eight years. Eight years. Our children were born over there, so they're Queenslanders. Sweet times, sweet, sweet times of being novices and green as. but God's faithfulness, you know. So I suppose more than anything, what we want to say is that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He knows exactly Where he wants you to be, what he wants you to do, which door to open. Of course, it's got to be door A, but he wants to reveal it to you. He wants to reveal it. If you're a couple, he will confirm with one another. He won't tell him something and you something different. There'll be confirmation. If you're single, you know, he will speak to your heart and he will lead you. And the most exciting thing about it is that it's all good. He doesn't lead you anywhere bad to test you or try you or train you or teach you something. He doesn't want you suffering for Jesus. He wants you to be blessed, blessed in every affair of life and blessed in these times that we're in. And they're not easy times, you know, like COVID and this and that and but he still wants to put his hand of favour upon you. He still wants to bless you and your family, your children, your grandchildren, everyone. Your life is set apart for him, but you just need to tap into it. Claim it by faith. Look for favour. Look for grace. Look for his hand. That's what. That's your responsibility. And it it's, it's real. It really is real. And we've seen that faithfulness and through all the different phases of ministry and that. And I'm not saying that life is perfect. I'm not saying that there isn't the speed bumps that we have to go through because they're there. The challenges are there, just like they're for everybody else. But we have God. If God be for you, who can be against you? You have great grace on your life. Tap into it, look for it, expect it, confidently look for it. Not double-minded, hesitant, am I worthy, have I been good enough, none of that. Father, I belong to you. You are my father. You love me unconditionally. So tap into what he has for you. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry.
0: Go put that mask back on. (laughs) get you up more often this year i think pastor rosemary my goodness you sort of preached it up shouldn't give that mic back (laughs) you know um just share one little other thing is is that 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 church that was there in in country queensland was just so um uh such a, a a fit for us it was designed by god for us to go to and and um, what was amazing to us and we only found out really and started to put the pieces together the timing and all of those things but there was a 5 year period a 5 year period from from when that group got together and decided that they were going to pray for a pastor to come until we actually came and i looked at my i looked at my notes and i looked at my timing and i looked at events that had happened you know my my, you know, notebook and diary. And when the Lord had given me a vision of a church without a pastor and that that was my wake-up call, that was my door A moment, that was my, this is the door for you, Peter. And I realised that they started praying five years earlier and I looked and that was exactly when I started to say Lord um, and, and had that vision and said, Lord, I'm going to get serious now. I start doing what I was supposed to be doing. I supposed, you know, I'm going to be on that pathway. And not look to the left or look to the right. I'm just going to stay on that pathway. And, uh, and the vision was a church without a pastor. That's what the vision was. And they were crying. And in the vision, I said, Lord, why are they crying? And he said, because they don't have a pastor. And I said, why don't they have a pastor? <laughs> Lord, it was a silly question, really. <laughs> but when, you, when you're talking with the Lord, you're allowed to ask silly questions, Okay. I said, Lord, why don't they have a pastor? And this is where he got serious with me and he said, because you didn't get your act together. And it was a wake-up call. It was like a bell, you know, that rang and said, this is the door, now get ready. So one of the first things that changed immediately was I went out to the young group of young men that I was living with at the time and I said, guys, we're going to have a home group here as a part of the church that we're attending and I'm going to lead it. And they were all quite surprised and said, okay. So I started leading home group and, uh, you know, started serving in the church, started doing things around the church, started finding rosters to put my name down on. And that was the thing that the Lord started to equip me through, serving in the local house. Amen? I said, amen. Amen. Starts equipping us, you know, through those, you know, those moments. And I found, I learned how the anointing operated in those different areas in the ministry around the church. Started to understand how he equips you for those things. And uh, you don't have to be a pastor behind the pulpit to be anointed. You can be serving in the kitchen and be anointed. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. You can be, you can be on the, the kids' church roster and be anointed out there and preach and glow in the dark among the kids. You know, don't have to be behind the pulpit for that. Bit of a plug there, but I won't go any further with that part there. But let me just say, God's good. As Rosemary said it, God's good. And he wants us all blessed as we choose to A and walk into his abundance and the goodness that he's crowned this year with. Amen. God bless you all. While we're going to pray, why don't we all stand to our feet and we're going to close. Just going a couple of minutes over today. Father, we're a people here, Lord God, that are set. Lord, on a pathway, Father. You've put us there, Lord. But, Lord, there are those moments when door A appears, Lord. There are those moments where we have to choose to do what's right in your sight, Lord God. Choose to go down the, the, the chosen pathway, Father God, that you've, that you've given us. And so, Lord, we're people here today, Lord, wanting to go down that pathway. We're a people here today uh, choosing door A and, Lord, forsaking the old pathways, Lord, the pathways that have gotten us nowhere. Lord, we, we, we ask, Lord, that you help us with attitudes that have, hidden, uh, uh, that have hindered us from walking down door A. Lord, we ask today that you um, uh, lead us to the door A of our life and the pathway that you have for each of us. Lord, we ask this today in the precious name of Jesus. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you to come now into each of our hearts, making a, making a clear direction, giving clear direction for each and every single one of us. Lord, that we might know how we would serve you in this day and in this age, Father. Lord, we do live in perilous times, Lord. Lord, there's danger all around us. But Lord, as we serve you, Father, we know that we walk in your blessing. And Lord God, what you have for our lives, Lord, God, will manifest. And Father God, we'll see it. We'll be able to look back and see it was you. We'll be able to look where we are and see it's you. And Father, we'll even look and see that you'll, you'll be there in the future as well, Lord. So we ask your blessing today on each and every single one of us. In Jesus' name. We just seal that and set that for our lives, Father. Your pathways only. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.